Greetings, Gente Puente! In today's episode, my husband Chris shares with us about the Latin American tradition of the live way of the cross on Good Friday. So it's a wonderful experience of Catholics being able to immerse themselves into the mystery of the scriptures, particularly of that journey of Jesus, those last moments of Jesus' life on earth. Si prefieres español, puedes encontrar un resumen en español de la entrevista sobre el Via Crucis viviente en el Viernes Santo y los vínculos a todos los recursos mencionados en paticc.com diagonal S23. I'm Patty Gutierrez from Patty's Catholic Corner. Our team serves Catholic ministers like you who want to connect with the Hispanic community. We make your ministry easier through this podcast and our Facebook group, sharing best practices, resources, and encouragement. And we help you focus on your ministry through our Catholic translation services. For today's show, I invited my husband, Deacon Chris Gutierrez, to return to the show because he had a very successful experience of bringing the Hispanic tradition of celebrating a live way of the cross to a parish here in Kentucky. As he is going to share, this popular devotion was a very important part of his faith life growing up in Mexico and during his years in seminary there. He shares about what worked well, how he overcame the obstacles, and encourages ministers to consider bringing this tradition to their areas. We also discuss incorporating Hispanic Catholics into the tradition of the prevailing culture of meditating on the Stations of the Cross each Friday during Lent. And you can find links to some bilingual resources that we've used and a summary of the interview in the show notes at pattycc.com slash 23. The first time I was exposed to the idea of a full-blown reenactment of Christ's passion was when I was living as a volunteer in Ecuador for a year. I was part of the young adult group at the local parish there, and a couple months before Holy Week, they invited me to participate in the live way of the cross, or the La Via Crucis Viviente. I chose to be a Llorona, which is one of the weeping women of Jerusalem in the 8th station, so I wouldn't have to talk. <laughs> the experience was incredible. Like I share in this interview, even after all the practices and hearing the lines over and over, on Good Friday when we reenacted the entire way of the cross, I really felt transported back into ancient times. Here were these crowds of people following the actors through the dusty, unpaved roads of Duran, Ecuador. The actors portrayed each station and then paused for a meditation. Then the entire crowd would walk another block or two, praying and singing, and until we ended up back behind the parish church and we witnessed three young men being raised up high on their crosses. I felt intimately connected to Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. If you never experienced anything like this, I highly recommend finding one near you. And better yet, trying it out in your community. We'd like to help you with that. So in the show notes, you'll find a checklist for the leader of the Live Way of the Cross, links to a script, and bilingual stations of the cross reflections. And if you join our Facebook group, you can also see a photo album to get costume and prop ideas, as well as some of the stations of the cross booklets that we've made in the past. Now let's listen to my interview with Chris. Welcome, Chris. Thanks for coming on the Gente Puente podcast again. Hi, good morning. It's good to be on again. Thanks. I'm going to start us off with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Son, the Amen. Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Lord, we come before you so grateful for the many blessings that you've given us, especially for the blessing of serving in your church. We know that we are not perfect, and so we thank you for your mercy and for choosing to work through our broken humanity. Lord Jesus, you pray that we would be one as you and the Father are one. Pour out your Spirit as we strive to be gente puente, uniting the body of Christ. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in us the fire of your love. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. It's such a pleasure to get to talk to you again today. Thank you for coming back to share with us a little more about the Live Way of the Cross project. But first, can you remind our listeners, or for those that don't know you, a little bit about your background and your ministry? Yes, it's really good to be uh, with you again. Uh, my name is uh, Christopher Gutierrez, and uh, I'm uh, I'm a deacon in the church. And I, um, my father is Mexican. My mother was uh, American. And uh, pretty much from the age of five, I was raised by my grandparents after my my parents' divorce. And so I was blessed by uh, two wonderful grandparents and uh, extended family, uncles and cousins. And so my upbringing was in Mexico, in a small town in the state of Jalisco, about two hours from Guadalajara, central Mexico. And um, yeah, so that's that's where I grew up. That's where I went to school. That's where I experienced what we're going to talk about today and uh, the various uh, popular devotions and uh, particularly the Live Way of the Cross. And I have been active in Hispanic Latino ministry for several years now, ever since I came back from Mexico to live in the United States since, since 2000 and uh, pretty much 2005. So, yes, it's been really good to be back. And I was uh, for several years, for about eight years, working in a parish in Hispanic ministry. And then for the last four years, I've been working as Diocesan Director of Hispanic Latino Ministry for the Diocese of Owensboro. Thank you. Yeah, I invited you to come back to talk to us about Live Way of the Cross because I know that you had a lot of success in creating a Live Way of the Cross here in Owensboro, Kentucky. But first, can you ex tell me, share with us about your experience of that devotion back in Mexico? What was it like growing up and the years you were in seminary? Uh, what was that devotion like in your life there, and what was your experience of it? Yeah, so the Live Way of the Cross, or the Via Crucis, which is called what it's called down there, um, it's something that uh, people, the whole town, the whole city, start to prepare for, you know. And for one, um, most towns and cities, people do not work during Holy Week, so there is a pause to. Uh, focus on the mysteries, you know, on the mystery of the Triduum, you know, and, uh, you know, the passion, death and resurrection of Jesus. So the live way of the cross is something that everybody is in a one way or another part of. And so while I was growing up, I remember my grandparents saying, you know, Friday at 11, you know, we're going to be downtown, you know, to go to the, to the Via Crucis, you know, to the live way of the cross. And so, it um it was it was wonderful you know the whole everybody is focused on that mystery of the triduum and of the stations of the cross and there are different actors that um, you know reenact each one of the uh, take one each one of the roles for the stations of the cross you know and so uh, people walk along you know and stop at each one of those stations 
Can you describe them a little more in detail? Because I think someone who may be listening that grew up in the prevailing culture here, they they might have in mind what we typically do as Stations of the Cross every Friday during Lent, where maybe a group, a small group walks around to see the pictures of the stations and say a short reflection. How is this different? Or explain to me the experience of the live way of the cross. Yeah, this is this is outdoor. This is outdoor and it can be on the uh, on the outskirts of the town. You know, uh, um, a spot is picked to pray uh, the first station and um, all the actors, you know, from there's somebody that's uh, playing the role of Jesus. There are, are several uh, men who are playing the role, the roles of soldiers. And each one of those, those people that we know about traditionally that come into play in each one of the stations. So these are people that are dressed in different costumes, you know, you know, that have been practicing, have memorized their roles, you know, and the words that they're going to say, uh, words that we hear from scripture. So the journey is, could be a few miles, you know, could be a few miles up a hill, up a mountain where the crucifixion will take place. And along that route, uh, there are different stops where, um, the second station, the third and so on and so forth. Uh, the, each one of those stations are marked. So let's say the fall, you know, um, which I believe is the third station, the first fall of Jesus. So the man who's playing Jesus actually falls with the with the real wooden cross that he's carrying, you know, and the dramatization is pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people are walking along, you know, they're trying to get a get a view of what's happening. And people are brought into the scriptures of that moment of Jesus on his way to Calvary. So, yeah, it, it's it's a route that can can be a few miles, you know, you can shorten it, you can make it longer. Uh, there's going to be uh, an actual reenactment of the crucifixion at the end, you know. Um, but yeah, it's different than from what we're used to sometimes in the prevailing culture here in the United States, where you just pray the stations within the church. This is this is walking outside outdoors. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, too. It's almost like you're transported into that moment of history because uh, I had the experience in Ecuador of participating in the live way of the cross there too. And wow. we're talking serious acting, fake blood, real whips. Uh, we actually put up the cross and tie a man to the cross and sometimes three men, depending on who, how you're acting it out. And so it's not just a portrayal or what sometimes we do a passion play. This is like, you're witnessing the crucifixion and everything related to that and then reflecting on it as we go through the stations. Yeah. And it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful experience of, of Catholics being able to immerse themselves into the, the, the mystery of the scriptures, particularly of that journey of Jesus, those last moments of Jesus's life on earth and which is in preparation for Easter, you know, we can't get to Easter without going through the cross. So this tradition, this popular devotion, wants to underline the importance of going through the cross. There is no resurrection without a cross. And that's one of the things that we have to remember always. It's one of the things that I, 
I try to share with the prevailing culture that the Easter Sunday, you know, and uh, uh, Easter egg hunt and all that, that's that's really good. You know, that's really important. It's it's a nice tradition, too. But let's get through the cross first. Mm -hmm. So you've touched on this a little bit, but can you share what made you want to bring this tradition to the United States in the ministry that you were doing here? And maybe you can touch on why do you think the passion is such an important key element of the faith of Latin Americans in general, and maybe particularly immigrants here in the U.S.? Yes. So when I started working at the uh, at, at the parish in 2007 as uh, director of Hispanic ministry at the parish, one of the things that I would often hear from um, Latin Americans uh, was, well, uh, back home, back in my home country, whether that be Mexico or any other uh, Central American or South American country was, back home, you know, I remember, you know, we used to have this devotion, this this popular devotion, you know, or tradition that we celebrated. And I kind of long for it. You know, I would I would hear that off and on again and again, you know, and then can we do it? Can we somehow do some of it here? So that was what I was hearing, you know. And so when Lent would come along, even before Lent, you know, um, um, I started thinking, well, why don't we, uh, maybe we can give this a try, you know. Why don't we come together, uh, the Hispanic community, the leaders, the committee, and decide whether we want to try to, uh, you know, do a reenactment, a live way of the cross, you know, walk a few miles. At that point in 2000. Uh, at the beginning of 2008, I had no idea what the route would be. <laughs> I started thinking, well, what, where will we start? Because right outside the church, it's all just street and blocks, you know. There's no mountain, mountains around here. There's no open <laughs> field, you know, where it could make it easier. So what we decided was uh, we, will, we would uh, start right across the church um, and go to a university, which is called Brescia University, which is uh, probably not even three miles from the church in distance, but it's about maybe, you know, six or seven blocks, you know, so it would, it would take us, you know, I would calculate it. It would take us about 45 minutes, you know, going slow, you know, and doing each one of the stations about 45 minutes to get there. So those were the first, you know, that, that was the beginning of the process, you know, discerning whether we wanted to do it. And what were the logistics? You know, I started talking to my pastor, you know, because we would need the the street, you know, and you have to have a permit for anything, you know, if you're going to go on the street, you know. Um, so we talked to the city uh, and um, I had to get a, uh, a police escort with the police car in the very far front and one in the far back of the crowd because all the actors would be reenacting in the front and then you have the choir and then everybody's following along trying to get a view, you know, of what's going on at each one of the stations. So uh, that's how we came about bringing it here uh, to uh, to Owensboro back in 2008. Mm -hmm. What's something that after you started and maybe through the years that you were there at the parish that made you really glad that you did it, that you saw what a success it was and it helped you to see the impact it was having in the community? Well, one of the things that was wonderful was seeing uh, different cultures come together. You know, uh, uh, not only parishioners of the prevailing culture or uh, English-speaking Catholics 
with Latinos that speak Spanish, but even other people in the neighborhood, non-Catholics participating, uh, hearing about it and knowing that this event or was going to come right in front of their of their apartment complex or on their street and people joining in. Um, I'll never forget uh, maybe the second year when some of the uh, Burmese uh, uh, refugees uh, from the Burmese community, Mm -hmm. they joined in with no shoes, you know, in Mm -hmm. a way of Mm -hmm. walking the route in a penitent way. And all I can think is they were probably Christians (laughs) Mm -hmm. and they wanted to join in. And I thought that was wonderful. You know, seeing the uh, uh, how um, playing each one of the roles for each one of the actors, how that impacted their own personal lives, because way before, you know, this would take place on Good Friday. Remember, they had been practicing and um, I was always challenging them to really study and go into the scriptures and meditate and pray about the role that they were they were portraying. So. This had a this always has a transformative power in the lives of those who are uh, reenacting, and they had a responsibility to pull each one of us, all the rest of us, you know, into that mystery and that dramatization of going back more than two thousand years. Mm-hmm. What are some of the pieces that you would say helped it to be such a success? Things that you did practically or concretely that maybe you learned from your experiences over the years and you started improving it or even things you did from the beginning that you help think helped make it really successful? Well, I think it's important to um, be mindful that you have to uh, at least give yourself even a couple months before, at least before Lent starts to start, um, you know, putting together a script, you know, and everybody can have put together a script of the size of their liking, you know, um, but, um, so that each one of the, the people that are reenacting each one of the actors can start uh, memorizing their, their parts and then, uh, practice, uh, we would have at least, at least two practices per week in the evenings when people, um, got off from work. Um, and so what I learned over the years is that, um, you don't want to start too close to just when Lent starts, you want to give yourself even a, a couple more months prior, uh, even even just right after uh, New Year's, you know, when the New Year comes in, you might want to start working on that project, you know. Um, also, another thing that made it successful, I think, was involving different people, the, the church, the parish choir, you know, involving other leaders seeing what, uh, finding out what each one of the, uh, uh, the actors and others and supporting roles could work in, um, uh, helping, um, let's say their costumes or building the cross. If we had somebody that worked with wood, a carpenter, somebody that maybe they can help with Jesus cross, uh, again, costumes, makeup, you know, trying to pinpoint and find those people with some level of expertise you know, and, and theatrics that can help, you know, um, um, put this together and, and make it more successful. Mm-hmm. Well, I apologize for people listening, because if I had known you were going to say start at the end of the year before, I would have had you on earlier. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You can still pull it off, but um, um, it's, it's, it's important to, to give yourself some time, but you can, you can always make it work. Yeah. I was going to say one of the things I remember you 
helping people get into their character, besides encouraging a prayerful attitude and portraying the characters, once the Passion of Christ came out, that you would have all the actors come in and be able to watch that movie together and kind of get into the story a little even deeper uh, to portray their characters on that day. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, um, uh, the Passion of the Christ of Mel Gibson. Um, I would, uh, I really liked, you know, us watching it together without the children, of course, um, yeah. because that was a, an opportunity to um, challenge people. You know, we're not, we're, none, none of the parishioners are professional actors, but I can tell you that they, they, do very well over the years. People really uh, uh, get into their roles. And um, mm -hmm. I always challenge them because of the need for volume. You're out in open in, in open air, open space. There is no microphones. Uh, there is no script in their hands. And they uh, sometimes because they're, you know, I mean, they're walking forward uh, at each stop. I would challenge them in the practices to turn a little bit their bodies towards the crowd. Uh, for the words that were going to be spoken, you know, and, and dramatized, um, whether that was uh, crying or or uh, Jesus and pain in each one of their words, enunciating their words clearly and very loudly. That's a very important. And that goes back to my experience of being in in theater and seminary, too, you know, without, you know, any technology or any any microphones that you really need to bring up that volume. So. Um, yeah, there are different different pieces to, uh, uh, you know, bringing it, uh, putting it together. Mm -hmm. We'll continue my conversation with Chris in a moment. But first, I want to ask you, how would you feel if you had all the documents you needed for your ministry in English and Spanish, but you no longer had to do the translations yourself or beg a bilingual colleague to translate them for you? Would you be able to focus better on your ministry and what you do best if you could hand off your translations to someone you trust? Our team at Patty's Catholic Corner would love to be that resource for you. We have years of experience in direct ministry, and we know what it's like to have so much to do and not have a team big enough to do it all. Now we use our experience and expertise to serve ministries like yours. You can trust us with the translation of any Catholic ministry document, and we will serve you in a way that's accurate, faithful to your message, and easy for you. Save time today. Get a quote for your project at pattycc.com. Now, let's continue with my conversation with Chris. What would you say are some of the obstacles that you face, and how did you deal with them to overcome those? Well, I think at the beginning, uh, some of the obstacles were um, to start were start with were thinking this is not possible in in our setting here in the U.S. Um, in our say in our inner city reality of logistics, you know, as soon as you go out of church, often it's just again as I said, it's street pavement, you know, sidewalks <laughs> and houses. You know, how do we do this? You know. And uh, the obstacle could be thinking, this is not possible. Well, I can tell you it is possible. It is possible if you want to do it. And if you ask the Lord to help you, you can you can do it. The other obstacle is just simply, you know, um, some people saying, you know, you, you can't do it. It's 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 not possible, but you can. And so um, that's that's important to 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 know that 
What helped you to convince your parish leadership that this was something worth trying? Once I investigated a little bit about the permit, for instance, that if it was uh, okay to do it, it, to use the street and getting a a positive uh, from the city, you know, that was one. Mm -hmm. Um, The actors saying yes, um, I thought I knew there then that it was uh, possible to do it. And uh, so those are two, two important elements. Mm-hmm. How did you get some buy-in uh, in the beginning from the actors to be able to come to practice so often? And did you struggle with their work schedules? And how did that come together? Yes, it was always a challenge because people, you know, work uh, a lot. And so all the practices were in the evenings. Um, rarely did we have any practices during the day or in mornings, other than sometimes on Sunday mornings or Sunday afternoons. But for the most part, they were in the evenings. Um, they took their roles very seriously. Uh, once they knew this was a project that took time and, and the seriousness of it, and knowing that they were doing a service uh, to the community, to the parish, of bringing uh, the life of Jesus, the last moments of Jesus alive, uh, they saw themselves as being missionaries in some way of, of bringing this alive, the scriptures and the passion of, of, of Jesus. And so um, that was that was convincing to them. You know, that was something that what I would do is I would look at, you know, see uh, who we had, those who would volunteer for a different uh, role and see, depending on their voice, depending on their strength, depending on who, whether they were women or men, uh, finding a role for everybody. There is a role for everybody. And mm-hmm. um, so that was helpful. And then some, some you can suggest to them, you know, I think you would, uh, would you consider playing the role of uh, a soldier? Would you consider playing the role of the Veronica? Uh, uh, so different roles, you know, you can suggest or you can you can hear from them themselves wanting to, to play a particular role. Mm-hmm. What would you say that are some of the things that you learned over the years that you improved this over time that you learned some lessons that you learned? I've learned over the years while I w- this was uh, taking place at the parish and we were organized it every year that um, it has the power of touching many lives, of touching many people. Uh, regardless of whether they're Catholic uh, Catholic uh, parishioners or non-Catholics, that um, you want to do this and it goes beyond uh, just the parish, just just your the faithful of the parish. So, um, as I said before, I've learned that um, you want to uh, start the working on the project ahead of time, with some time. You want to um, meet with your leaders. And you want to start defining your your script and cutting it or defining what is it going to entail. Um, because at each one of the stations, there's a little bit of a, a complimentary uh, uh, prayer. Uh, and uh, that um, I've learned over the years, too, that you want to be very inclusive. You want to make sure that you uh, um, include English and Spanish in the prayer. Um, in between each one of the stations, there is opportunity to pray the Our Father and also sing some hymns. So we would make sure that those were in English and in Spanish going back and forth between one station and another. So to have a balance. So that's it's very inclusive. 
um, this tradition, this popular devotion um, needs to be very inclusive. Um, and that is very important. Mm-hmm. We saw a lot of um, increase in the amount of people who were raised here in the prevailing culture that come to the English masses of them coming more and more to the live way of the cross over time. Would you say that's one of the successes of your experience? Yeah. Um, over the years, there were more and more folks, uh, again, um, English speaking, um, that would come uh, from the prevailing culture. And actually, they took took part in some of the roles and some of the, uh, I remember some folks helping with makeup, you know, and uh, uh, a couple choir members from the English choir, you know, joined in with the Hispanic choir. Um, so we saw some, you know, um, uh, some of the folks of the leaders of the English speaking community coming along. And that was really, really nice to see that. It was mm-hmm. wonderful. So just to give a more precise overview of what happens, the actors would come out and portray a certain piece of the passion of Jesus. So let's say when Jesus was arrested, for example, the soldiers would be pushing Jesus around and put him in front of Pilate, and then Pilate would condemn him. And then everything would pause when they finished that piece, would pause, and then the leaders would give a bilingual reflection. And then uh, when the prayers started again, then the actors would move and walk to the next station and the whole crowd would follow them a few blocks down the street to the next station where, for example, Jesus was given the cross and the actors would act and then freeze and then we would do the reflection. Is that right? That's correct. So yes, um, the actors do, uh, in our case, did all of the acting, uh, all of their words were in Spanish. These are Latino, Spanish speaking Latino. So there was no English in the acting words, but in the reflection right afterwards, yes, we would combine between English and Spanish. Then as soon as we would start the Our Father, that was um, the actors uh, going back into movement, moving into to the next station, which all in itself, uh, it's acting because the soldiers would be whipping Jesus. And so they move, you know, and they're yelling at him and then we're following along. We pray the Our Father and we sing a hymn. And then when we get to the second station, um, they do their part, their acting part. They say their words very out loud. And then again, we move into the reflection and then um, Our Father and, and the singing while we're moving to the third and so on. Mm-hmm. Thank you. We will link in the show notes to the script that you've adapted over the years and some of the handouts that we've used uh, as the reflections. And that brings me to the experience that we had at St. Michael's over the years, and that continues, of celebrating the Stations of the Cross every Friday during Lent, kind of in the style of the prevailing culture, but that we've done it now for many years bilingually. Uh, What has been your experience of that? Yeah, that's been wonderful. That is a, uh, at our parish of St. Michael's in Seabury, uh, you know, the opportunity of all of us coming together. Every Friday of Lent, um, over the years, um, Hispanics and English speaking come together. And um, there is a stack of, of uh, or Stations of the Cross prayers in English, and then the same would be in Spanish. And so for each one of the stations, you know, if uh, the first one is prayed in Spanish, 
well, those who are English speaking, they can they can read exactly what has been said in Spanish because they have the script in English uh, or the station written in uh, in English. So, um, yes, over the years going back and forth, the same thing has been such a successful, you know, uh, moment, you know, of growth. And again, this is um, um, cultural integration, you know, coming together, celebrating together. Uh, regardless of differences in language yeah, or traditions, you know, that's, and that's, that's one thing that Latinos, you know, have been uh, becoming more and more part of mm-hmm. as the way that the prevailing culture celebrates in the church. Mm-hmm. And of course, ending with our fish fries, which are very popular with both. <laughs> very popular and they're wonderful. And that is something new to us coming from Mexico and Latin America, because I don't remember us having fish fries. And I absolutely love that tradition. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing your experience. I know for me, when I was at St. Michael's and we started doing the live way of the cross, it was really helpful to have heard your experience and seen the way the obstacles and how you overcame them and to be able to look at those resources. So I really hope that the listeners who are ready to try this will also benefit from that. But before I let you go, I want to, I want you to share about what you've learned as a minister that you could share with the other ministers who are listening. Yes. So I have learned over the years that, um, there will be obstacles. There will be moments, difficult moments in our ministry in the parishes in which we think, oh my gosh, I can't do this, or maybe it will be rejected, or maybe the pastor will not want it, or the parish council, or they'll question it. Um, I want to encourage everyone listening that um, it is important for us as uh, people of different cultures, not only from Latin America, but from around the world, if we want our popular devotions and traditions from our home countries to remain alive, it's important to uh, suggest that we keep doing them. Um, The Catholic Church is, that's what makes us so uh, wonderful and enriches us that we are able to come together and offer each one of our experiences of faith from where we come from. And that we, just because we live in the United States, we do not have to renounce to who we are and what we've brought with us. And so I want to encourage uh, those in ministry, uh, leaders in uh, particular in Hispanic Latino ministry, that all of those popular devotions and traditions that your people from the parishes across the country might bring up or might mention that, they used to uh, celebrate them or practice them back home. They can be done here. We can keep them alive here. And it's important that we help them and we facilitate continuing to celebrate and to cherish those, those, uh, those devotions. Okay. So I want to encourage everyone to not give up, to, uh, to support those initiatives and know that um, even the prevailing culture uh, hungers Many, many of them are, you know, long for uh, those traditions and popular devotions, and we can help bring those alive. We can help share those and bring that back so that uh, people see the richness of our church that goes beyond just a Catholic family. Thank you. 
One of our goals in the Gente Puente podcast is to provide encouragement for ministers because ministry can be hard. Is there anything that you could say as words of encouragement to a minister that might be listening that's going through a rough patch and, and ministry is difficult in this season? I think it's important um, to encourage one another and stay uh, support one another. If you have colleagues that are in uh, the trenches of ministry, always look uh, to one another for support. Um, there is always somebody out there, you know, within our own dioceses or um, areas that are, might be going through some difficulties as well in their ministry, or might be feeling down, might be feeling that the uh, the obstacles and the difficulties are overwhelming them. Um, it's important especially at this time of the year, to embrace the cross and know that Jesus walks with us, that um, everything we do and all the projects that come uh, before us that we dream about or that people uh, long for, um, we don't have to do those alone, that uh, there are supporting uh, people and leaders out there that will help us. So don't give up. Um, keep up the good fight and know that Mary and Jesus accompany us and the saints and um, it will be, it, you will be successful yeah, by the hand of Mary and Jesus. You will be successful in your ministry. Just don't give up. Uh, keep praying, uh, meditating on the cross. Um, and Lent provides us a great opportunity to deepen our faith into the mystery of the passion, death, and resurrection of our Lord. And we're not alone. We can accompany Jesus on his journey and be assured that he accompanies us in the difficulty in the journeys of our own crosses. Thank you. Could you close us out in prayer for all those who serve the church, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for calling each one of us to be your hands, your feet, your voices out for the world. During this time, we want to meditate on your passion, death, and resurrection. We know and we understand in our hearts that you uh, gave up your life for us, for the salvation of each one of us. Thank you, Lord, for that sacrifice. Thank you for putting forth your life so that each one of us can have a place with you in heaven one day. We ask you to be with us. We ask you to strengthen us in our ministries and in the work we do for your church. We understand, Lord, that every initiative, every desire in our hearts, every dream in our hearts is placed by yourself. You put those dreams and those desires in us to serve you better, to walk with our people. Help us to help one another. Help us to understand better the mystery of your passion, death, and resurrection so that we may grow closer together to one another in our own crosses, and grow closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Chris. It's always so nice to have you on here. Thank you for taking the time to come back, and I hope we get to do it again soon. You're welcome. It was great. Thank you. Another great interview with my husband, Chris. If you want to hear the last one we did, it was episode 11 about the tradition of Las Posadas. Here are some of the key takeaways for today's episode. Number one, give yourself time to prepare and be as organized as you can. 
We've put together a checklist for you to give you an idea of the different tasks involved in leading a live way of the cross and help you stay on track. You can find it in the show notes at pattycc.com slash 23. Like Chris said, ideally a couple months is great. So if you're listening to this during Lent of 2019, I apologize for not getting this out sooner. But even if you're hearing this episode and you have less time, you can still pull it off. That's one thing that always impressed and surprised me about the Hispanic leaders at our parish in St. Michael's, where I was working for 11 years. Once they got on board and got excited about something, things could just take off. (laughs) Number two, don't let the obstacles get in your way. With God's help, you can do it. You just might have to modify things. We've done different versions of the Live Way of the Cross at the parish each year, depending on what resources we had available, like time and actors and costumes, etc. Some years we did the full-blown reenactment like Chris described. Some years we simply took turns carrying the cross on the same route across town and stopped every couple blocks to meditate on a station. In some years, we did a more simplified version of the acting where the actors didn't actually memorize lines, they simply acted out what was being narrated. You can modify the experience depending on what resources you have available too. Number three, create a prayerful atmosphere. Like Chris said, it really helped to connect the actors to their faith and remind them of the importance of what they're portraying in order to help the crowd enter into the experience spiritually. The other thing that we forgot to mention during the interview is that after the crucifixion in the last stations, Chris would always recognize and thank the actors and everyone for coming, and then he would have the entire crowd, led by the actors, walk back to church in a somber march. Someone would bang a small drum once every few seconds, and some leaders would carry an image of Our Lady of Sorrows. Since the police escort had left by then, we would just use the sidewalks and encourage people to remain in silence, meditating on what we just witnessed. It's a really powerful piece of the experience. Number four, be as inclusive as you can. Include all the languages of your faith community as much as possible. You can find some links to bilingual reflections online in the show notes at pattycc.com slash 23. And if you come on over to our Gente Puente Facebook group, I'll share some samples of the booklets I've made over the years that you could use as templates. And don't forget, you can also see a photo album there to get some ideas for your costumes and props. Number five, I say this every time, but you are not alone. You don't have to start from scratch. You don't have to have all the answers. All of us can share what we've learned and done and encourage others, and we can receive advice, encouragement, and resources from others too. If that sounds like the kind of community you want to be part of, I really hope you'll come join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Gente Puente. The next episode of the Gente Puente podcast will focus on tips for successful bilingual triduum which is the liturgy that extends from Holy Thursday through Good Friday and the Easter Vigil on Holy Saturday. I'll be sharing some ideas for preparing the congregation and the ministers, the logistics, and tips for during the actual liturgical celebrations. If your parish has celebrated one or all of the Holy Week celebrations bilingually, I'd love to share some of your tips on the podcast. Just hop into our Gente Puente Facebook group or email me at patty at pattycc.com to share what's worked for you in your ministry. And if you're considering any of these bilingual celebrations, you don't want to miss it. 
Don't forget to subscribe to the Gente Puente podcast on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or your favorite podcast app so you don't miss any future episode. Thanks for listening today. May God bless you and your ministry as Gente Puente. Gente Puente.